Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkablogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. AltitudeHomesTeam.com slash HawkBlogger. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fans. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out no matter how hard it rains in my city. Hello and welcome to the 210th episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser. Find me on Twitter at HawkBlogger, and we have a lot uh, of just breaking news because that is our brand. Uh, we are the place where whenever we decide to schedule a podcast, there will be something that happens to the Seahawks that we need to discuss. So we will get into that in a minute. First, let me bring in the fellas. We got a boys club tonight, uh, fearsome foursome. Uh, let's begin with Nathan Ernst. Sporting the new do and facial hair. How are you, Nathan? Good. I think the, the do has been the same for a while, but uh, yeah, mixed it up with the facial hair. Did it mainly to annoy my wife and pretty successful there. So are you going full next question? Are you going full 90s cop? Is that is that what the plan is? Uh no. Uh I mean, I would love to try to do some kind of mullet or with my hairline it would really be kind of a horseshoe mullet deal um unfortunately my hair does not cooperate cooperate with me in any way so it's just it's just whatever this is what, you mean like a fryer cut kind of thing is that what yeah let's go with that yeah 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 that would be i i'd be all for that um yeah i'm sure your wife would be thrilled she'd love it uh 
that is Nathan Ernst at Nathan 11. We will get some more of his thoughts about the Seahawks preseason game one in a moment, but then uh, you heard Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB. Is that where you still are? Yep. That's what I still am. Awesome, dude. How is life in uh, lovely Arizona? It's good. There's nothing new. I'm good. I'm excited to be back. It's good to see your faces. I still don't feel like the season is actually approaching, but here we are. Well, depends on what you mean by the season. Uh, <laughs> 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 I think the whole wait. season is preseason, but like <laughs> that's, that's a whole other topic. But uh, last but not least, my my brother from another mother wearing the same color like uh, today uh, at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. Jeff, what's going on with you? Are you, are you playing softball tonight? Is your league started yet? What's what's going on? No, no. I was just at home uh, reading Twitter like the rest of us. It's never a boring day to be a Seahawks fan. <laughs> so there's a lot. Of, there, I was pretty busy the last couple hours just catching up on everything. And <laughs> never easy for us. It is not. Um, so let's start with news because there's a lot of news. And, and we'll go back and we'll talk about preseason game one and some of that other stuff in a second. But <laughs> I got to start with Drew Locke. I mean, here's a guy who, you know, was pretty re- highly touted coming out of college, drafted pretty high, fell on his face pretty hard in, in Denver, became kind of a, uh, a punchline, I guess, uh, across the league got thrown into a deal for one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL and has been used as a punchline when trying to talk shit about the Seahawks since he's been at it and has generally by most people's opinions outplayed Geno Smith through much of training camp and to some people's eye in the first game of the season he was named the starter today he had the shortest stint as a starting quarterback I've ever seen in the NFL. Did it last an hour? Anyway. I don't think so. We, we should maybe qualify, though, what name the starter means. Yes. I feel like please, that, that please, sounds please bigger. Fill in the blanks for me. <laughs> I think other people would appreciate that as well. Uh, I, I believe he was named the starter for the next preseason game. Uh, no, no big announcements about week one of the actual season yet. Well, Pete went as far as to say Gino is still the number one. He did say oh, there you so. Go. So, but yes. And then not more than an hour later, it was tweeted out that Drew Locke, Evans' new favorite Seahawk, has come down with COVID and will miss the game. How do you feel about that, Evan? Am I going to regret the words I'm about to say? Most likely. Potentially. <laughs> Um, if I, I was Drew Locke, I'm fucking hiding that test. I'm hiding that test. This is my opportunity. This is my opportunity. No, this is a bummer. Um, I, I assume they'll just like, is it, is it a five day waiting, waiting period now that, that they've reduced it to. So in theory, he could start the third preseason game, which wouldn't be the end of the world, but Man, I'm just so I'm so tired and bored of Geno Smith. It's just I want some fun. I want some chaos. And Drew Lock brings that, and it's just a bummer. So 
I'm sure I'm sure it'll be fine, but I was really looking forward to seeing Drew Locke play this week. I remind me of this. Uh, you, may, you might want to remove this from the internet at your next employment, uh, you know, interview. I don't know <laughs> that, that uh, a lot of folks would be pleased to have, uh, you know, COVID Evan in the office, but um, <laughs> that's good to know. Have you guys uh, all had COVID at this point? Because I've had it like three times in the past four months. I'm just, I'm just Thanos. I'm collecting different strains. I, <laughs> I feel, I feel stronger with every infection I get. It's just, I don't know where I'm going with this. Sorry, continue, Brian. Arizona guy with hot takes on COVID. What a surprise. <laughs> I know, I know. The sun is baking brains. Uh, Jeff, can you even muster up? much of a reaction to this news like what, what was your reaction to this news i could help but laugh i do feel bad for the guy and it's just almost funny at this point and i brian very much aligned with you and how you're talking i i don't really care who plays quarterback this year at all and i want to like i'm pretty optimistic about a lot that happened in the game but like to me these guys are placeholders and just watching gino play like he's he's fine but like it's not very exciting so I, again, I didn't it, – it's like – at least Locke would have been kind of fun to watch. Like you saw some things in the last game, and I want to see how he built up the end-of-the-game nightmare that he had. And, again, I don't feel much emotion. That's kind of the beauty of this season. Like everything we talk about, there's a way to rationalize just everything because really the results don't matter, especially quarterbacks. So yeah. not much for me. Yeah. So, Evan, you seem somewhat invested in the quarterback battle um like the biggest pillow fight in the history of quarterback battles um uh nathan how about you like after what did you watch the first preseason game did I you did. Have a chance to see it not not live not most of it live but yeah i've rewatched it a couple times now so did you leave that having you know strong feelings about how you wanted the the quarterback competition to to, to uh resolve not really there I don't know what it is about Drew Locke, but there is something like inherently fun about him. Like he just has this kind of chaos ball, goofball. Uh, I don't know. He's got a great vibe. Like I don't think he played any better than Gino did. And they played very similarly, I actually think. Um, but it just felt more fun when Drew Locke was out there. Uh, so I'm team vibes for this season. So I, I think I'm leaning Drew Locke right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'll admit, like, I definitely, I mean, I, people that were tuned into the live stream, you know, he made a lot of good throws and he made, um, some good decisions. He even made some, there were some choices he had where he could have tried to drill it in there. He chose to like put some loft under it to get it over a defender. He, fit a ball over defender and under defenders into Colby Parkinson's hands and he couldn't quite hold on in the end zone. He did a lot of good stuff and he was more fun to watch. Like there's no doubt about it. Um, Can I say Gino, something else that I might regret? Always. Do you guys see Geno Smith's tweeting this past week? Oh, very defensive. Very getting, not uh, mad. Geno Smith was extremely not mad. I'm getting some Justin Britt vibes right now. Searching his name on Twitter, you know, responding to fans, shout it, shouting at the sky. It's kind of baby back bitch stuff. 
and honestly, I uh, it's a little it's a little annoying. Interesting. Yeah, I don't think it's a great look. I think that like act like you've been there and and don't feel like you need to justify your position. I think he's done all these good things about like. I, I will always have Drew Locke's back. He's been like positive about Drew Locke from the beginning and he's in more of a position of power. I thought those were all good things, but then, yeah, I don't know, man. Like Jackson Knight in the chat said that Gino is tweeting like a wide receiver, not a quarterback, <laughs> which is extremely <laughs> accurate. Yeah. <laughs> Too deep yeah. in the comments. Yeah. It's just... yeah. I mean, what do you... what are you doing, Gino? I mean, Gino is, is really a lot of it is it, it's hard to really separate these two guys because they're so mediocre, but like Gino is a more boring mediocre. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't even know if that's true. I just think there's something about Drew Locke where we just don't know what to like. I never know if this is going to be the play where he gets strip sacked and loses the ball. <laughs> right. Like there is. So I don't think like the, the element, the vibe is actually good with Locke, but it somehow is like, again, you know, I don't think Locke played particularly well. I, I didn't uh, chart it all, but I'd guess something like 75% of his yardage on, in that game was yards after the catch. Mm -hmm. And I, I <laughs> so, you know, part of it was just, you know, hitting guys in the flat that happened to have a long runway in front of them as opposed yeah. to Gino not. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, there it's, it's just a little bit more wild card with him out there. And I hate to, I cringe every time I hear this, but I hate to compare the season to other Seahawks seasons because that whole first couple of years is not repeatable. But just Nathan talking about that, it really is T-Jack and Whitehurst all over again. Like Charlie, the good vibes guy, like you had no idea what you're getting. You kind of hoped he played, but he pretty much, he sucked. And T-Jack and Gino were so similar. Like they just kind of did what was in front of them and there was just nothing exciting about them. And it's so much... Unfortunately, it's going to be a tough year to watch, but it's so similar. Well, we were violating all my rules. We spent way too much time talking about these two. I, 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 but it is it was necessary given the, the Drew Locke storyline for this Thursday. So Geno Smith, I assume, will start. Maybe we'll get some more Jacob Eason. I don't know. Um, I don't know what other option they'd have. Uh, other news that came out today, um, I think Abe Lucas ran with the starters all, the, all day today. Um, with Burned in practice today. Uh, what's that? Gabe Curran didn't practice. Gabe Curran didn't practice, so that's that's a good good note. Gabe Jackson ran with the starters all day today. Uh, Phil Haynes did not. Come back to that, as you know. Um, D. Eskridge did not practice. I don't want to shock any of you. D. Eskridge did not practice. Now I got some 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 slack on some flack on Twitter for. Colin Eskridge out and saying like, it's time to get on the field. And, you know, am I questioning whether he's really injured? And that's all honestly fair. And I usually am very, I don't know. I try to be like understanding about what's going on with these guys. I'm just pretty frustrated about the Eskridge situation is what it comes down to. I'm frustrated that, that, you know, we didn't get much out of him last year. He was out for like after the first game for like weeks with that concussion. And then when he came back, he wasn't much of an impact. And then he comes back here. He's had a whole offseason. He comes to camp with what was supposedly a minor hamstring injury and can't practice for what is it going on, like three weeks now? Like, 
I just I come back to what we said at the beginning. I just have a real hard time like believing that Jermaine Kirsch and Doug Baldwin and Sidney Rice and you know a bunch of these other guys never had tight hamstrings and played through it in practice anyway. Like I don't know. I just I feel like at some point Eskridge is it feels like he is approaching um, his pro career like he's a second round pick who's a made man. And I, I just want to, I want to see something. And whenever he comes back, I hope he's healthy. I hope he stays healthy. But I don't know. I think it's pretty, it's pretty frustrating at this point. Um, other thing I'll bring up, and then we'll we'll move on a little bit. Uh, the Seahawks traded Ugo Amadi uh, for the guy, one of the guys picked ahead of DK Metcalf in the draft. Um, wasn't there some idiot on this podcast like hyping him up like two weeks ago? How did you know I was going to ask you about that? Names rhyme rhymes with Kevin, something like that. Yeah. How did you feel about that, Evan? I was honestly kind of shocked they cut him so – or were planning to cut him so early. I know there was like, you know, rumors and we had discussion that he might not make the roster, but for him to be cut this early – that's like, that's like, I had a buddy text me and he was like, do Justin Coleman and Marquise Blair look that good? And I'm like, probably not. It might just be Ugo sucking that bad. He, he's had kind of a weird career arc. Like I remember when he started his rookie year, he flashed and we were impressed with him, but he's really fallen off a cliff and apparently is no longer valuable to this team. So Whatever. Hope he catches on in, in Philly, but it, it was a little surprise in terms of how early it was for me. My guess on that is that they are trying to they were trying to find him a, a landing spot and give him a few weeks of camp with the team before they cut him because uh, he's not like first wave of cuts bad. So he's a backup, you know, NFL player. And so this gives him kind of a shot to really stick with the team. That's a good point. Yeah, that, that was my read as well. Justin Coleman was awful in this game. Did anyone else like pick up on that? I mean, I, I, even if he's old, he shouldn't be making like things that are like bad reasons. He's not even that old, right? Like, probably what, weird to me. Late twenty or early thirty. No, I think really it's a couple of things. Ugo was pretty bad last year. I think his PFF grade was like forty three or something. But two like, more importantly, I think the worst cornerback in the nfl last year according to pff yeah and i think really it's more about how the team views the nickel spot i think the fact that kobe Bryant is playing some nickel i think they're just running different coverages and i think they're running a lot more man coverage out of the nickel spot and ugo is a zone player and i think he was a backup safety and i think josh jones emerged as well so that kind of made him just completely expendable and if they're not asking they're asking the nickel to play man ugo just doesn't fit at all agreed um i don't know is there any other news that came out today that, that yeah. uh yeah <laughs> oh that was sarcasm i literally couldn't tell please please who would like to break it jeff uh no the running back man should. for one of you two i think it's got to come from I, actually I even nathan i want to i want i want nathan breaking the news on this i don't take any joy in injuries <laughs> like uh, no, I, 
did you guys see, I'm going to go on a real quick 30 second tangent. Did you guys see that viral video that went off like in the past 24 hours about those news reporters reporting on like their children uh, pooping their diapers or something like that, but in a reporter voice? Did you guys see that? No, Evan, we, we, we run in different internet circles. <laughs> you, okay, whatever. Continue. Break the news, Nathan. I want to know how that was going to be relevant. Oh, yeah, you bring it, bring it home. I first, wanted Evan. you, I wanted you to break the news in sort of like a news reporter voice, but oh, for I this don't. running back situation. Uh, no, I thought you were going down. All right. Well, uh, let's kick it over to Evan then for sports and the latest on Seahawks injury reports. Give you a shot at it. I'm not an actor, bro. This why, is all you. you please tell there is one person is listening there. to us right now that's on the edge of their seat. Like, who's fucking hurt? Who's hurt? It's Kenneth Walker. He has a hernia. It's uh, probably fine. Who knows with Pete? Uh, they're holding him out for a little bit. Yeah, they said hopefully he'll be ready for the regular season. Yeah. Is that something that requires surgery? Sports hernias often Good. require sur- surgery. If it's a sports hernia, it's usually surgery for six weeks. Yeah. I mean, Marshawn had one and was out like a good chunk of a season. Uh, I'm sure that there are a wide variety of, yeah, or, you yeah. know, severities of these. So who knows? There's a variety of hernias out there. Um, yep. And, but for running backs, it's a particularly uh, dicey injury. Um, lateral movements and pushing off and all that kind of stuff can be really tough. So uh, it may or may not, we don't know. All we heard was the word hernia. We don't know what kind of hernia it will be and how severe. So we'll wait on that. Um, okay, let's get to talking about the game um, and impressions. I would love to hear your thoughts about the game. Like what stood out to you guys? And um, Jeff, let's start with you. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's funny. I. If you asked me, like, my opinion of the Seahawks on Saturday versus today, it would have been remarkably different. But, oh, for me, if you remember last week on the show, you, when we were talking, we said the number one thing we're looking for, and to me, it was the two offensive tackles. And they way exceeded what I thought they would look like. Just as, like, I know the competition wasn't great. Pittsburgh didn't play T.J. Watt or Cam Hayward or any of their really first thing. But Cross just looked like an NFL left tackle right off the bat. And Lucas – Lucas shocked me how ready he was because I didn't think he'd be that good of a run blocker and that physical right off the bat. So for me, it was those two and Boye Mafe, just how you can see just how quickly they're adapting. And you remember like Frank Clark, when he played in the preseason, he looked dominant. And then in the regular season, he sort of disappeared as rookie year. So taking everything with a grain of salt, but just seeing how comfortable those tackles looked and just seeing the like overall grading and overall just flying colors they got to me that just jumped off the page that was the biggest takeaway by far for me nathan how about you um what were the what were the one or two things that really jumped out to you yeah offensive line was a big thing um i think um seeing the offense look a little ramsey was kind of cool um and seeing um you know bell melton and some of these guys make plays with the ball in their hand and you know get a lot of yak was pretty cool um it looks a little it didn't look too you know uh it's still pretty vanilla obviously but they were creating a lot of things like you know uh you've seen the rams and you'd expect strain watering to to create so i thought that was cool um yeah i I think i the 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 feeling i get is that people came away from the game pretty positive i mostly didn't um but a whole bunch of backups and guys in there that hopefully won't 
play very much during the season, so it's really hard to say. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's hard to come away from that game feeling positive about the defense, for sure. Mm-hmm. The coverage was awful. Um, secondary in general was bad. Um, linebacker play, I don't think, was very good. Tackling was awful across the board. There was a decent pass rush. Um, but, like, I think if, if you're watching the defense, I don't think there was a lot to be particularly excited about. Um, I think that there's a fair number of things on offense that were pretty positive. The offensive line in general like mm-hmm. uh, was a big thing. But before I keep – I've already talked a bunch about the preseason game with other folks. Uh, Evan, how about you? Um, anything, anything that jumped off the page for you? Yeah, I know you didn't um, like him too much in your postgame article. But to add on to what the what the gents said on the offensive side of the ball, um, I actually thought Kenneth Walker was relatively impressive. And it was on one specific play. Um, if you guys remember, he was like thrown to the left side of the field and he dodged like two or three defenders. And the first defender met him um, in space. I think like it was like a first and 10, I think, or maybe a second and 10. And the first defender met him three yards in and, and it ended up being like an 11, 12 yard gain. I know that's not like a super flashy, sexy play, but seeing him in space and being able to dodge those defenders and, you know, just get extra yardage out of it. it It's just encouraging to see a player like that maybe actually make an impact at the running back position, because if he's dangerous in space and he can, you know, add to the offense, you know, via pass catching, that's a big deal. So yeah, it's just one play, you know, nothing to get super excited about or anything like that, but uh, seeing him in space was fun. I'm, I'm challenged a little bit because I feel like there was the second string and even third string offensive line in some ways seemed to outperform the first string offensive line in terms mm. of and that might've been because of the competition they're going up against. I don't know, but, but Travis Homer looked like a, a world beater. DJ Dallas looked like a world beater would ken walker have ripped off those runs if he was in those same situations maybe but i I just i don't know so that's the part that i'd you obviously would hope to get some more more film more opportunity to see him play to to judge but like yeah i i was not super yeah and if you went on like some of the other like fantasy sites and some of the league-wide there were, a lot of people seemed to fall in Evans camp, which was interesting because hmm. there was a lot of people who liked more his running style and not that anything he did. He just looked different athletically, but yeah, unfortunately we're not going to get to see that film. He's not going to play the rest of the preseason now. Yeah. So I agree with Brian. I didn't think he looked particularly impressive and, and who knows how much of that is the hernia. Um, I don't, I doubt that popped up overnight. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the, the shine that Drew Locke has on him is, probably in large part thanks to DJ Dallas who um, really played well I thought and uh, one big thing to take away from the game for sure is you know it's one preseason game so don't put a ton of sock into this but uh, they averaged over 0.2 EPA uh, in the running game um, which is kind of in line with where they were at the end of last season so if there's a question about you know how is that historic run game going to translate from the back half of last year to this year so far so good Interesting. Yeah, I mean, there were definitely a few runs where I thought Rashad Penny in that moment would have housed it, like mm-hmm. based on how Travis Homer ran to his own guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't you dare disparage Seattle's best running back. <laughs> Don't you dare. You know I, who I like 
who stood out to me just because I hadn't seen enough of him before was um, Derek Young. Like, I know Bo Melton had, like, the big, splashy 39-yard play. But one, like, Young from just, like, a, an athlete perspective is impressive. The guy's, like, cut like granite. He's 6'2", 2, like, 25. Like, he's a big dude. And he moves pretty well. And I thought he ran decent routes, and he showed some decent hands, caught some uh, pass in, you know, a contested catch for a touchdown. He didn't have huge numbers or anything, and I'm not like, oh, this guy's the next great thing. But for a seventh round pick, like he's also a guy that ran like, uh, what is it? The, the offense he ran in college where he's running, basically running end arounds oh, all the time. Veer, yeah. Yeah. The veer. Right. Like he, he was a, he's basically a running back. So like, he's just an interesting, interesting dude. Um, I, I don't know what's going to happen with him, but, but uh, I like it. I like what he brings a little bit more than like mountains also interesting, but people were talking about like, is Freddie Swain in danger of getting cut? I think the Seahawks really like Freddie Swain. Uh, I'm kind of curious. Does any of you think like Freddie Swain is at risk? Like that Bo Melton and Derek Young and D. Eskridge, if he ever comes back and uh, Thega Whiteside and whatever, like, are they all going to jump Swain? Anybody? I mean, probably not J-Job, but um, I think they could. I think some of these other guys could. It, it's just a question. I mean, Swain is really, really hard to evaluate as a fan especially without any kind of all 22 because he's more of a technician and so understanding all of the coaching notes on different routes against different types of defense like it's, it's hard to know and so depending on how much he's excelling at that and you know just being like the Bobby Ingram always in the right place type of guy I mean Bo Melton and um, Young and if Eskridge can get on the field I mean those dudes are dangerous with the ball in their hand and this offense is going to create those opportunities so it wouldn't surprise me if uh swain does end up being in some kind of trouble trouble interesting um so i i don't think we talked enough about the offensive line like <laughs> the CX offensive line has been horseshit for a long time like it's been bad and it's also been old and it's been like reclamation projects and it's been guys that we've like pulled off the street, even, even guys that worked out like Brandon shell were like not necessarily long-term, you know, building blocks price-wise. No. Say what you will, like absolutely all caveats preseason. doesn't matter. It's PFF rankings, blah, 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 blah. It's the number one ranked pass blocking offensive line and the number five ranked run blocking offensive line in the entire NFL in week one of the preseason. I would bet you we could go back through all PFF and never have had any single week where the Seahawks offensive line had those kind of ranks um, uh, across the NFL. Like, and it happened to Jeff, to your point, these were like young dudes, like, other than Blythe, like everybody was young. Yeah, and that's the thing that excites me really the most about this whole season. I mentioned in the first show we had, and I haven't got mad at me. I mentioned it last week again. To me, the biggest thing and one of the things I just hated about the way they built their team in like the last years of Russell Wilson is they had no sustainable position groups. Everything was just kind of patched together. I don't know if that's because they screwed up in the draft so much. I don't know if that was their weird free agency approach, but this is the first time, like, if you looked at the roster, 
when what it looked like coming out of the season. Like they had almost no potential long-term starters unless like Haynes or Lewis. Now with the thing that's so exciting is these guys are sustainably built. Uh, if you can have two tackles coming out of this year and these guys can play. And then that's why I, I'm in your camp, Brian. I don't think that Haynes should be playing center, but I think Haynes should be playing guard over Gabe Jackson based on where this team is. So if you can have potentially four and get even Lewis having a plus pass pro game, to me, that's encouraging because he he's been a terrible pass blocker in the NFL. I thought Lewis looked pretty good in that game. I mean, Evan, you were going to say something. Go ahead. <laughs> Jeff had just said something like for whatever reason, we, you know, we drafted good offensive line this year, whatever. When are we going to, when are we going to credit Jody Allen? <laughs> more. When are we going to credit her for stepping in and uh, per rumors, forcing their hands a little bit, changing their strategy, their drafting strategy up a little bit, forcing John's feet to the fire, making sure that there's a real, you know, sort of analytical based, you know, roster construction, strategic approach to their draft selections instead of just, oh, gut instinct, he's going to be good. I think... uh, I had a different read of that. I mean, you might be right. I'm wondering if the biggest thing we got from the Rams was Andy Dickerson. Mm, his hair is amazing. I mean, that, I mean, he's fantastic. Um, but, like, we've talked about it a million times. That Generally, the front office the, is looking for personnel based on what the coaches are asking for. Like, what's, what are the characteristics they're after? And they're a p- big part of the scouting of these players. And then to Nathan's point, we were starting to see this team block in a certain way at the end of last year and the scheme kind of come together. I'm wondering if we may have backed our way into like the next great offensive line coach. Like, don't know, like it's a huge, huge projection. But if you look at who we've drafted, how they've started to perform and the results we're starting to see, I don't know. Like he might, he might be, he might be our next head coach at some point. I don't know. Sleeper. The worst um, part is imagine this group with Creed Humphrey, what they would be projecting. Like oh, fuck off, dude. I'm sure. I'm though. Like they would project as like a top three line next year. They would be the best line in football. Like, like within a few years, like, yeah, like right now with those, those four guys, potentially like that's a pretty good long-term group. They really just need to fill one spot, but man, that, that run hurts. All right. I was trying to save my drink for the next hour, Jeff. Can we like, I'm just trying to troll Brian a little bit. Okay. <laughs> um, you know what the untold story of real Hawk talk is? What's that? The most absolute obscene fucking chats that happen during this show that the audience never sees. And this whenever is the one I... that we're going to talk about now, I make <laughs> one little joke, and now this is the one we're going to finally talk about. No, 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 no. no. Uh, speaking of coaches for a second, I do have to change the subject because um, someone in chat brought this up, a different chat. Uh, <laughs> if coverage was the thing that we all agreed was bad, is there anyone that's worried about Sean Desai and Carl Scott as the guys that are brought in to own the secondary? Jeff looked like I just like shoved a. That's like a crazy question. One. Why? 
Quandre and Jamal weren't playing, and Jamal's not a good cover, but Quandre is a huge part of the scheme. Mm-hmm. Two of the two corners were playing. I've never played in the NFL before. One of them's a super raw player. He's looked good in training camp, but like if Sidney Jones already burns Quandre and Jamal were out there and looked like that, sure. But like you have to expect a pretty big learning curve from the corners. Like as much as they've been good and you want to see signs. I said on the show last week, it's going to look a lot different going up against Pittsburgh's receivers. And like, I, I don't know. Like I think to make any sort of assumption or like hot take from that game is would be nuts. We've lost Evan. Uh, Cody Barton. Cody Barton, guys. You're wrong about Cody Barton. Tell We're me gonna why fight I'm about wrong. It. Tell me what I missed. He <laughs> looked fine. <laughs> he was fine. Why? How did you come to that? He was fine. I, I didn't really see. I mean, he had the penalty. Uh, no, the I, mean, I didn't tackles, see. The mid blown coverages. Like, uh, I don't think. So here's the thing. Uh, it was a little tough to tell one white linebacker from another out there. Um, but <laughs> when, when they had the Nick Ballore, Cody Barton, Tanner Muse trio, uh, I don't know. I didn't see many missed. I didn't see missed tackles. I mean, maybe I missed them, but Ballore was terrible. But other than that, he was awful. <laughs> like, I was like, watch Nick Ballore look better than Cody Barton. And then he proceeded to look way worse. He yeah. looked awful. There's been times that Ballore came in and actually has looked like a decent linebacker. That was not the game. He was terrible. Uh, Jordan Brooks, you, you know, you mentioned um, Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams being out, but like Jordan Brooks, I think, has become a critical part of this defense. I don't know that they have another middle, like inside linebacker that belongs on an NFL field, like on any regular basis. So. Uh, I mean, I think with Barton, like he looked fine and maybe that's actually an indictment to say when he is going to be the starter and he's playing against backups and stuff. Right. But like uh, Barton to me looks like a, looks like quality depth, a good spot starter. He, he's probably a guy that they're going to try to upgrade over starting next year, but I don't think he's a problem or a massive black hole or some, you know, he's terrible or something like that. I don't get, I still don't get why, I mean, we're paying Jason Myers to boink like field goals, like, and that money could be going to, that could have been, that could have brought in a, an upgraded linebacker. It's not hard to find an upgraded inside linebacker. Like, I don't get it. How many missed kicks did Jason Myers have on last, the God, last preseason game? so bad. How many missed kicks? He sucks so bad. What was the end result? We pay him like a million dollars per missed kick, like per week. Like, I mean, it's crazy how many, that's how Jason, much he makes. Jason Myers is top 10 on the Seahawks highest paid roster. I know. It's fucking, it's ridiculous. He's number nine. Oh my God. Can and he almost missed the other yeah. kick as well. Just wait for that extension, baby. It's coming. Oh, oh God. No, I, I, you guys think I'm kidding. I, I think don't. he might get extended. I think he might. I don't think you're wrong. That's why like, I'm upset. Like it's very, it's very possible. I can handle it if Phil Haynes starts, but otherwise, I will be livid. I will be probably be livid either way. Can they extend that KJ Ray one day contract? We, they might need some inside linebackers. Seriously, I, yeah. I mean, people keep talking about Roquan Smith. No, like, is anybody like? 
Jeff, you and I talked about this, but this is not the year, this is not the team, and that's not the position to go bring in, like, trade draft picks to go get an all-pro inside linebacker and pay him, like, what, like, $20 million a year, $18 million a year? Like, I think I love Roquan Smith, but, like, that just makes no sense based on where we are. Like, I would, I would, given all the things I've said, I would rather start Cody Barton than trade away draft picks and pay Roquan Smith, like, that much money. So, um, okay. Nathan, do you have the uh, patron questions? I do, yeah. Awesome. Real quick, I actually have a question. Do we have any update on Jamal's hand? Did, is, did he just, is he just choosing to wear the, the club all year? I, I thought they're going to wear it. Okay. <sighs> God, that's annoying. Whatever. I mean, it just reduces, you, you know, any expectation of him ever catching a, a pick. So other than that, he can, he can be largely the same player. Um, someone's saying club for the whole year. I, I can't confirm that, but that's what someone in chat saying. All right, let's do some patron questions. Okay, so piggybacking off of the linebacker discussion, Perry, wa- Perry wants to know if there's going to be a linebacker move coming. I think we're all in agreement that it won't be Roquan Smith, but do you see them, you know, doing something to add to the position, uh, maybe some kind of low-level trade or something like that? Who are you directing that to? You. Me? Yeah, you. Me. Um, so, was it Vi Jones? Mm-hmm. I had a good, obviously, first game. Um, I don't know that he's going to do enough to have them, like, to unseat someone that's been a veteran. I do think that they will do one of those um, before the final day of cuts or, like, right up into it. I think that they will make a trade for a guy that's probably going to be cut from another team. Linebackers are not hard to find. Inside linebackers are not hard to find. So I think they'll add someone in that regard. One of the things that's a shame is a long shot for most people, but I really like Lakeem Williams. I like, I thought he, he flashed a little bit last year in camp um, and he's been injured all camp. So um, I was bummed that he's not getting a shot, but yeah, I think they will make a move, but I think it'll be that kind of move. Gotcha. Uh, Braxton wants to know at the moment, it seems like top five wide receivers are set in Metcalf, Lockett, Goodwin, Eskridge, and Swain. Which of the two rookie wide receivers and Melton are young are your favorite to make the roster at wide receiver six? We talked about this a little bit. Jeff, do you agree that those top five are set? Uh, and if you had to pick between one of them, who are you picking? I do not agree those top five are set. One, Eskridge has not been able to practice. Uh, two, Goodwin's hurt, and he was kind of looped in today with Walker, and they're hoping to get him ready for the opener. So, if they have two guys who can't get on the field, I don't know if one of those guys makes the team. And then there's that sort of weird buzz that Swain has been struggling in camp. I think both Young and Melton are going to make the team. I think I think Brady Henderson reported that behind the scenes, the team's high on both. But I think if it's going to be one, it's more likely to be Dariq Young. I think he's more of a unique physical profile. Can I ask um, before you move off of that, why is – Goodwin uh, uh, lock. Yeah, that was the part that was most surprising to that yeah. question to me. But the, people are talking, like media is talking about that, like that way too. What has he done that in his career that makes him like even? He runs fast. That's it. 
Which is really all you can say for some of these other guys, too. Like, yeah. Paul Melton and Drake Young, they also run fast. Yeah, I think he's played in the Shanahan scheme before, and he runs fast, but he's an older player on a team that's trying to develop core pieces for the future. To me, it's to block players for a guy like him, to me, is kind of redundant. Yeah, I mean, I think the chances that Melton and Young are anything is pretty slim. Um but yeah, it just doesn't make any sense to me to put someone like Goodwin ahead of him. But Is there something not... happening there? Like I've heard little things that the in press conferences where players talk about the quick game more than they've talked about it in past years. Is there potential? I mean, you also talked about this in terms of Drew Lock's performance, um, Nathan. Are we seeing like part of this offense is going to be getting the ball in space to fast small receivers and letting them run? Like, is that oh. going to be a, a profile of a receiver that's a little bit more than we've, we've seen in the past? I think so. Yeah, I think absolutely. Because then there's the whole end-around game, and, like, they try to do that with Lockett, but that hasn't been his thing in a long time. It's not really DK's thing. As good as he can be in the open field with the ball, he, he's not going to, you know, turning the corner and all that's not really his deal either. And so, yeah, they need some guys like that. Yeah, like Eskridge, Melton, Goodwin at least all fit that kind of mold, right? Yeah, I mean, es- a good one, though, isn't... Like, Eskridge and Young and, to a lesser degree, Melton are kind of running back-esque. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Goodwin's just kind of twiggy and, like, he- he's not a... You don't want him trying to, like, break tackles or anything, I don't think. Yeah. So. yeah. Sorry, go on. Um, yeah, we have a, a lot of overlap uh, on the questions with what we already talked about. Um, uh, Z-Ray asked, I think probably the one thing that we haven't talked about a lot at this point is, do you feel the value of special teams changes with the huge change in offense? And who will benefit more statistically, Dickerson or Dixon or Myers? Uh, Evan, of course, this one, Myers related is coming to you. So, I guess I don't really understand the question. What, what 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 do they mean? I don't know. I, I guess maybe because the offense is going to be a lot worse without rest, does it's, special teams become more important? Or you get more field goals or more? Yeah. Um, well, Pete has always relied on Michael Dixon very heavily. So uh, if you have uh, a punter position in a fantasy football league or something, then maybe Michael Dixon is a good bet. But um. I, I think that probably means Jason Myers will get more opportunities. Um, it's an interesting question, though. Uh, it's a good opportunity for Jason to earn that extension this year. That's all I answer that. And John Hurlbut wants to know, when is it happening? When is the Myers extension happening, Evan? It's, uh, so Jason Myers is going to hit a game-winning field goal against the Denver Broncos. And before week two, the before week two games start, he will have signed a four-year extension. $22 million. Are the Seahawks going to go one in 16 and their one win is going to be against Russell? Yeah. I would be very okay with that. That would be so funny. That's uh, it. That's all the patrons got. Okay. What did you guys make of, um, speaking of Russ, uh, of the trade, uh, the tight end we got, no fans. What did you make of him in, in, our, in his first game? How does he not get his foot down? How does he not get his foot down there? Thank you. That that was yeah. 
get out get I, I don't want anything to do with you like that is such a like every receiver makes that toe tapping cornerbacks make that toe tap and I know it's not like a toe tap thing it wasn't like you know one of those balls he's falling out of bounds or whatever but like get your fucking what what are you doing you're a professional like get your foot down it was maybe so mad. like he was he was like treating it like the end zone like he was stri- striding to try to reach it as opposed to, yeah. <laughs> to avoid it to come up short of it uh it's a very yeah. silly thing for me to be so mad about and to like i made a i I will never think of Noah Fant the same way. My judgment towards him has been forever altered. <laughs> like the the Overton window of my perception of him, it like just went, it swung wildly. And that's probably dumb, but get your foot down. Like, come on. Well, point of the preseason to make these dumb evaluations. That's true. I've gotten some weird vibes from him though. Like he hasn't really like come out. He hasn't really flashed in a lot of like training camp reports and like he's trying to hype up Drew Locke. Like he's so excited to keep his career with Drew Locke when all his old teammates get to play with Russell now. And like, he's kind of expected to be like their third weapon, this big part of the trade. And he's kind of been dead silent. And seeing what Nathan said, I had the same reaction. I was kind of pissed off like to an unlike un- reasonable level. And I don't know, I'm, I'm getting weird vibes from him so far. That that's probably why I brought it up because I was like, did anyone else get that annoyed by that play? Absolutely. <laughs> got the answer I was looking for. <laughs> like, well, I was convinced he got his foot down. I was like, there's no way he didn't before the replay came because it was such a it was a legitimate length of space. Yeah, I was actually yeah. laughing at. There was a Steeler on the sideline who was going like, no, no catch. I'm like, ah, right, ha, ha, yeah. Everyone knows that was a catch, and then <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, that was that was. Is Colby Parkinson going to get cut? No, 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 no. You think he's a lock? I think he's a lock. Yeah, yeah. Um, Disley didn't play, did he, right? I don't think so. They put a bubble wrap around their their expensive tight end. Um, Oh, my God, I forgot how much they paid him. Holy shit. (laughs) Uh, Was that this offseason? Was that this offseason? Yeah. Yeah. No, Jesus the article is painful. Yeah, that was like one of Russell's like parting gifts was like, wait, what hard, article? Like recruiting Disley and trying to get the Broncos to sign him. The Broncos were gonna like pay him the same money, and 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 they drove up the price, and that's why <laughs> you didn't read that article. Are you fucking kidding me? No, no, there was like multiple chasing him. Apparently, like there was like five teams in on him. Everybody likes the big blocking tight end. It was weird. He was like, I, I, I was ready to leave. My agent told me we were leaving Seattle to go to Denver. And then they matched the offer. And <laughs> it was bizarre. That might be the worst contract on the Seahawks. Might be. Well, Jamal, no, Jamal, Jamal's Jamal is Jamal's yeah. right now. But uh, what are they going to do with the $15 million in cash space that they've got right now? Roll it. They're going to roll that bitch over? To yeah. next year when they extend Jimmy Garoppolo after a positive second half of the 2022 year. Yeah, with Drew Locke on COVID, uh, it could be a good opportunity to add another quarterback. Do, do you guys think if it's sounding like, I mean, depending on who you believe, that it's imminent that they will cut Jimmy Garoppolo at some point? Well, they're going to have to in the next couple weeks. Because, like, is it the September 10th or something like that? They He's on the roster by a Tuesday of week one. His $26 million is guaranteed. So they're not going to do that. What are your odds about whether the Seahawks pick him up if he's cut? 
I've said it a million times, the worst possible outcome for the Seahawks this year, and Brian's going to hate me, is they win somewhere between seven and ten games. I hate you. It's okay. It's okay. You can say it. They they barely miss. They barely make the playoffs. None of that bullshit. Embrace the tank. Get me a high pick next year. That's not the question. Answer the question. Was the odds, regardless of how you feel about it, that the Seahawks have Jimmy Graham? Jimmy Graham. <laughs> we can bring back Jimmy Graham oh, too. Uh, <laughs> we know that was your favorite Jimmy. trade. <laughs> uh, I, I think that there's a reasonable chance it happens. Yeah. Um, they so can afford you, to pay him a little bit. You expect them to pick, pick up Garoppolo if he became available. Like 25% chance. Oh, that's not expecting. That's like, okay. Nathan, how about you? I'm trying to think of where else he might go. If you're Horn. Jimmy Garoppolo, where? where? Horn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, he's already got a foot in the door. Uh, does he? Did, was it dating some porn star or something oh, like that? Okay. <laughs> I feel like he was. Um, anyways. Foot <laughs> 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 might That's not have so been what he had in the door there, but yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> Dealers, maybe? No, because they're not going to – they won't pick him over Trubisky. They won't pay him, and they have Pickett. It's like it's the Browns. That's what I was going to say. Um, New Orleans? I don't I, – I, with if Peyton was still in New Orleans, I would maybe think that. But, like, so I, I just – if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, you want a chance to play. I mean, you would probably come to Seattle on next to nothing just for the opportunity, right? So what are your odds? Like, what do you think the likelihood is? I think it's probably like 50-50. I was going to say, if he's cut, I think it's 50%. If, I, if there's a trade, I think the Browns are the team. If Watson gets suspended for the year, they might get more desperate. But the Jets, like Zach Wilson got hurt. They have all these old 49ers coaches, and they're like, no, we don't want to touch this guy. So there's just no one really left. Even Houston wants Davis Mills. And, and Houston doesn't want to win. I mean, there's Belichick. No Would Belichick bring him back as a backup? As a backup, sure. But it, but if you're trying to decide between like going to New England as a backup behind Mac Jones or going and trying and being a backup behind Drew Locke, if you just want to play, I mean, I think you go to. Yeah, and he probably wants to give it to the Niners a little bit. So Dana called out the Giants. Yeah, yeah, because Daniel Jones looks like have Tyrod Taylor though, sort of. Here's here's I I think the odds are lower than most people think. I think that the Seahawks believe in Geno Smith more than people want them to. <laughs> That's likely is the case. I believe that the Seahawks will shock a lot of people if Jimmy G is available. That they will roll with Geno Smith, and it might take till like week four if if Jimmy G somehow is still available and Geno is like crap in the bed and Drew Locke has his like fourth COVID. You know, <laughs> We got like a screen on Evan's face right now. <laughs> it's just so cringeworthy. It's just well, you have, it is. You're saying embrace the tank, right? You're talking out of both sides of your mouth here. Actually, you know, I think I agree with you though because there's two quarterbacks here in Seattle. So I think Seattle's bought into one of these guys. I think it's maybe Locke, but either way, I think they're comfortable. If one of them craps the bed after starting, that they'll go to the other one. And I guess if you're Jimmy G, what you really want to do is just sit tight until somebody gets hurt. Mm. Yeah, that's my guess. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think he's going to end up here. Part of it's because I really don't want him to end up here. But I also. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Though I think it's I don't the worst. Think he will. I don't think he will. I think it's the worst move they can make because getting from like six to eight wins or something for a marginal upgraded quarterback to me that's just almost defeats the point. And you know what Jimmy G is at this point. God, someone's earlier in the chat said they should have traded Ugo for uh, Garter Minshew, which would have been oh, that would be so fun. Okay, but counterpoint. Yeah. What if we sign Jimmy G and beat the Niners with him? No. I, 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 it's great for the Niners with him. Would that content be worth it? Maybe. Do you think, you really think the Niners fans would care that much more that he beat them? Like, is there that much invested in him? Yeah. It would, a lot of stress about Trey Lance there. It would trigger the fuck out of them. 100%. I know that. Oh, I know that fan base very well. What about, I mean, what if Drew Locke beats them? And then we can talk about exactly. how we have a better That's young quarterback. Point. Would that be oh, that yeah. much? That's a good point. <laughs> That's good trolling material. Yeah. I mean, if either Geno Smith or Drew Locke beat anybody, that whole fan base, whoever they are, is going to be devastated. They are going to be like, burning jerseys like week after week that's going to be our season this year anytime I, the seahawks win we are going to see like jerseys getting burned from the opposing fans because they're so pissed off guys i saw like quarterback rankings over the past couple of weeks and it just blows my mind how high they're ranking trey lance like in i guess i get it's in the low 20s but that guy should be bottom three bottom four like i i might take drew lock over him this year one to one. The thing though with Trey Lance is that he's gonna make plays every week. He's gonna he's gonna break a run. He's gonna connect on a big throw. He's got Debo Samuel. He's got Ayuk. He's got like George Kittle. So he can be like a crap quarterback who just kind of like pops. And he he can have some games where he's gonna a lot of times he'll be like twelve for twenty seven, but like three of those passes are for touchdowns. Um, so I think that the Niners are talented enough, and I think that the coaching staff's good enough. The main thing with 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 Lance, I think, is going to be turnovers. Like, he could be a guy that's, like, good for two turnovers a game. And that that's the thing that I wonder about with him. But I don't know. He's If he had shown no propensity for big plays, I'd be right there with you. But he has shown some of that. There's just a very high chance in my mind that that season completely ends up in a dumpster fire for the Niners. There would be it, nobody happier. I, it, I really think it's going to happen. I mean, their whole franchise is screwed. It's dependent on him completely. They traded the farm. Like, who's their backup if, if, after Jimmy G? Alex McGee. Shut is it really? No. <laughs> oh! <laughs> <laughs> But it well, should be. Now I'm curious. Yeah. That's right. All right. Nate, uh, wait, Nate oh, Sudfeld? Yeah. <laughs> Was that the guy like the Eagles tanked with to lose the game? They threw him in? I think so. <laughs> oh, boy. If Lance can't play, they're in trouble. Um, anything else? Uh, we've managed not to talk about Russ too much, so I'm going to probably keep it that way. Is there anything else that, that uh, across the league or other things you guys – one Who the hell do we play this week? The Bears. The, the Bears. least interesting roster in the whole league. Yeah. 
if you think we're fucked, like look at that depth chart. They have nothing. We'll get a chance to see the Seahawks quarterback of the future, though. Justin Fields, if he's if he plays. Hey, I kind of like Justin Fields. Don't talk shit about him. I I think he's uh if if this team is not going to tank, and I don't think they are going to tank, and they end up in a, like a mid like a seven or eight wins, and they're looking to get a quarterback, and they can't get up to get one of the top ones, I would be surprised if they flip something for Justin Fields. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I see that, but that's I don't know. Bears that Bears team is is rough. <laughs> they're putting him in a bad situation. I'm saying they're putting him in a bad situation. They don't seem too concerned about building around him. Mm, that's oh. a good point. No one, no receivers. That's true. No, it's true. Um, yeah, I think those are all the, all the, the the topics I had in, in mind. Anything, Jeff, that we're missing? Yeah, I think I think Boye Mafe looked pretty cool. I don't know if we really talked about him. Yeah, that's fair. He, but I don't know. There's much to say. He flashed on two or three plays, but what do you, he, think, he looked... what do you think? Like in your like most optimistic projection for Boye Mafe, what kind of player is he? Like this year or in the future? In the future. Like what's his what's his ceiling? I think he's a secondary six to eight sack guy. Cliff Averill type, maybe. That drives people cliff, but ten to thirteen. I don't think he's the one A pass rusher, but I think he can be a very good secondary rusher who just he, he his movement and just his athleticism when he chased down Pickett and that looked pretty impressive to me. Still need to see him bend the corner better, though. Yeah, agreed. still not seeing the bend from him. No, the yeah, Cliff Averill is weird. I saw him though. I saw him though put his hands in the chest of the the tackle and drive him back into the quarterback. He's not a huge guy, so that was nice to see. Baldy was talking in that video how good his hands like were for. I think that's encouraging stuff. Yeah, I mean, he flashed enough for me to be like, okay, like feel better about him in the second round. Um, has some potential to contribute. Yeah, he's what a second-round pass rusher looks like. Yeah, yeah. I am kind of curious about Tyreek Smith. I know he's been out with hip, and it seems like he'll probably just stay out with he has not multiple hip injuries. But <laughs> the reports were pretty positive of him when he like was on the field for them. Um, but it's a shame that we haven't seen him. Otherwise, like, has everybody in the draft shown some promise? Right? Like, Cross. I Nathan and I aren't huge believers in Ken Walker so far, but it's very minor like amount of info. Mafe we've talked about. Um Lucas. Lucas. <laughs> God, he had a great game. He looks so good. He might be better than Cross. Like not like he couldn't play left tackle necessarily, but he might end up being a better right tackle than Cross is a left tackle. I mean, I don't know. That was that was awesome watching him play. Um Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant both did not have great games, but I think there's reason to be optimistic about both of those guys. Um, and then you get into Bo Melton and Tyreek Smith and uh, Derek Young, right? Those are all the draft picks. Um, all pretty positive. So, yeah. Uh, okay, last thing I want to ask. Number one thing, like, let me, let me give you a choice. Thursday night. The Seahawks repeat the offensive line performance that we saw last week, running and pass protection. The Seahawks coverage is excellent, including a couple of picks 
and all of a sudden these guys look uh, like they're going to be a great secondary or could be a great secondary. Or uh, the pass rush is, is filthy, is getting after the quarterback, four-plus sacks, lots of hits. Of those three things, what would be most encouraging to you? For Maybe. me, it's corner. Corner? Evan? Yeah, that positional value is just so, so important. I mean, the difference between, a, you know, a, an elite paid corner or even above average corner, that market is exploding. You know, if, 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 if either of those guys, either of those rooks could show anything on their rookie deal, it's a huge advantage. You know, top end quarters get 22, 23, $24 million. Maybe not 24, but I think maybe 23 now. That's a lot of money. So important position. Nathan? Uh, offensive line, I think, just because of how much they've invested there. Um, I would love for the corners to look good for all the reasons that Evan said, but ultimately they're kind of a ragtag bunch there. So if they whiff, not a big deal. Jeff? I'm curious how the pass rush looks. Uh, offensive line, I think I saw enough where even if they kind of drop off, I still view optimistic the rest of the season. Uh, corner, I, th- I think if the safeties don't play again, I'm not surprised. This is the worst receiving group in the NFL the Bears have. So, and I don't know if they're going to play all their guys. So if they look better, I, I might be a little skeptical still. But again, I think it's a big learning curve. Really, I'm interested there is Kobe Bryant if he plays nickelback. But I think Woolen, I know he's got an athletic profile, but I think there's just they're going to have to learn how to play. I don't think these guys are all going to be Richard Sherman and just hit the ground running. So even if they struggle again, not worried. Pass rush to me, I think it's really repeatable. How does Mafe look? How does Daryl Taylor look? Nuosu didn't really do much, but I thought Alton Robinson looked kind of quietly good. He looked like he lost some weight. He was kind of flying off the ball. Yep. So I know again, the bears are probably the worst offensive line in the NFL from a talent standpoint. So don't know if it's the best judge, but to me, I want to see if those guys can build off what they did last week. Cause I want to see more from them. Yeah. I think I'm with Evan on the cornerback side. I, I like, and I partially because I agree with you, Jeff. I saw enough in the offensive line. I think it's it's projectable. Um, but yeah, I want to see I want to see cornerback play that resembles. City Jones going to play this week? Uh, he was in back in practice today, so mm-hmm. don't know. I don't know if he'll get a veteran pass or not. But uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play. I don't know that he needs to prove much. Uh, but maybe he'll get a series or something like that. Uh, all right. If you haven't already, give the show a like, folks. We would greatly appreciate it. Um, click the subscribe button. Uh, get updates. Click the bell whenever we go live. Um, we are going to be live for the Thursday night game. Uh, at least myself, maybe someone else will find out. Uh, so if you enjoyed having some company during the game last week, I will be there again this week. And congrats to one of our patrons who won free tickets to the game this week. Uh, We try to give away tickets as often as we can. One of the benefits of being a patron, go to patreon.com slash hawklogger, get immediate access to the Slack channel. And we're also trying to figure out the Ring of Honor dinner. It's looking like it might happen Saturday night. Uh, We're trying to to nail some, some details down, hard to get everyone on the same page, but still room in the Ring of Honor. We'd love to see folks there. So uh, join up there, support, the show and all the great causes that we donate to. So 
Uh, with that, I'm going to say goodnight from the Real Hawk Talk crew. I have, I'm Brian Emhauser at Hawk Blogger with Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11, Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB, and Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. We will see you around. Have a good night.